Buckaroo, President's on line one, calling about is everything okay with the alien space cloud from Planet 10, or should he just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no on two. Which was yes, destroy Russia or uh, number two? Space monster's my ass. I'm not ready for this. Welcome to episode 32 of First Strike, the Invasion podcast, the podcast that looks at every tie-in and issue, of course, of Invasion, the DC Comics crossover from 1988. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass. And today we're looking at Doom Patrol number 18. Woohoo! This is our second Doom Patrol issue. The first yep. one was a First Strike. This one's an, an Invasion Aftermath. And uh, because last time they were, you know, co-starring with uh, Aquaman, we talked at length about Aquaman. We didn't talk about Doom Patrol at length. So in the second part of the show today, we will look at Doom Patrol and yeah. whether or not it has a meaning for us. Spoiler, it does. <laughs> well, it does for, for me. I, I don't know much about it. Well, uh, I'm not sure this issue is that enlightening, but um, let's get into it. It's called Endings... Beginnings. I had to put two ellipses there. Endings? Beginnings. Beginnings. By uh, writer Paul Kupperberg, penciler Graham Nolan, inker Timothy Zahn, letterer John Workman, colorist Michelle Wolfman, as edited by Robert Greenberger. So let's look at this cover here. Doom Patrol 18. The Doom Patrol is dead. And this is indeed the last issue of Doom Patrol on the stands. Because yeah. with number 19 becomes new format. Uh, Grant Morrison takes over. We'll talk about that later. Um, so, Grendelin does this uh, cover with um, spiky SNM warrior women. They're called sirens. Yes, but at first I thought they were like kuns, like female kuns. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, the, they are quite uh, menacing. Yeah, like the pinkish skin, yeah. which would have fit that. Uh, they've defeated the Doom Patrol here. One of them is holding Scott Fisher, uh, which is um, misleading if you read the issue. <laughs> uh, and uh, I like that in the corner box where this is an issue from a comic book store, so it's, it doesn't have the UPC symbol. It's got, uh, you know, a text. And it's a little ad says, DC Comics aren't just for kids, which I thought went well with the attire. Well, these attires are, uh, you have to be kind of creative within the book to not show too much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because it's uh, little bikinis that go Way. down a bit low. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, these are alien women, so who knows? Well, yeah, we don't know what they're hiding underneath these non-clothes. Yeah, the one that's just straps. Yeah, yeah, that was, it's very, um, similar to, what's her name in, uh, Lilu? Lilu in, uh. Lilu in, in uh, Fifth Element? Fifth Element. Oh, Only yeah. in, uh, Dominatrix kind of way. Right, they look like Domina Dom Dominatrix C's. Yeah, Dominatrix size? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Ladies with whips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, instead, well, guns. But it's very 90s yeah. as oh. far as the look goes, even oh, though my, we're, yeah. we're still in 1980, cover dated January 89. Well, somebody looked at this and said, oh, this is cool. And, and that became the 90s. <laughs> and that person was Eric Larson. Or, you know, <laughs> was Rob Liefeld. And Doom Patrol was drawn by Eric Larson just prior to this. So, ah. <laughs> you know. Uh, patterns here. Yeah. Or, I, they're all living in the same universe. It's got an Eric Larson vibe, I find, this, this yeah. cover. Because yeah. of that. To me, the cover's... I mean, it's a nice cover. It's an action-type-filled cover where you think it's part of something that you'll see inside the book. Uh, and but, sort of is, but... Yeah, but, you know, misleading. But it doesn't feel like an Aftermath-type cover. It looks like we're still in the war cover. It feels like we're still fighting. It doesn't feel like an Aftermath. Uh, and in this case, I think Doom Patrol is one of the better... I'm not saying the story or art are superior to much of what we've seen. Mm -hmm. Maybe even the opposite. But 
as far as tying in, this very much relates to what was happening in Invasion. Much more, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's do a little synopsis here so that you know what we're talking about. Uh, the Doom Patrol returns from the Arctic Circle, reeling from Celsius's suicide run at the Gildishpan in the previous issue. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Though the crowds cheer their victory over the aliens, it's Pyrick at best for them. Gargax announces... I'm saying Gargax. Some people say Gargwax. I can't make those sounds Gar- naturally. Gargwax. Gargwax. Gargwax kind of sounds funny to me. I like Gargax also. But I think I, Gargax is a harder sounding name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's there. G-U, but in French, G-U is a hard G, so yeah. uh, I'm going for Gargax, even though probably grammatically it doesn't make sense. Gargax announces his alliance with the DP is at an end now that he's taken revenge on the alien alliance for not asking him to join them. And he intends to conquer Earth himself while Earth's defenses are still in disarray. It's pretty bold about that. Yeah, yeah, he just says it out loud. To the chief. Uh, Lodestone and Scott Fisher have a heart-to-heart talk in which Hot Hands, that's what Scott Fisher's informal name was. See, I didn't know their names. Mm, reveals that his po- recent power fluctuations have been caused by a resurgence in his long-term battle with cancer, and he's slowly dying. Uh, they have a good cry over it, but he insists on not dying in a bed. And wants to keep heroing till the end. That's a bit of foreshadowing, people. Uh, Tempest makes arrangements for Celsius's funeral, but grows enraged when the funeral director focuses on media coverage of the event. Their discussion is interrupted, however, by Gargax and his mercenaries, the Sirens, attacking DPHQ in Kansas City. They seem to have developed specific weaponry to combat each of the patrol members' powers. Lodestone's powers go crazy, for example, and Negative Woman's connection to the energy creature inside her is severed. Forever, as it turns out. The former Negative Man, Larry Trainer, is critically injured when Gargax's ship blows the roof off the compound and debris makes his helicopter crash before he can get out of the hangar. Only Scott, perhaps because he doesn't fear death anymore, makes any headway blinding a siren with his plasma hot fingers. The chief calls in a favor from the president himself. In the name of national defense, he is allowed access to one of the laser satellites built in the Strategic Defense Initiative program. He locks on target and blows up Gargax's ship with a laser strike, killing the would-be conqueror. With their master killed in action, the sirens retreat. Although no one was killed, Doom Patrol HQ is lost in the ensuing fire. Two days later, Trainer has been hospitalized, but the rest of the group attends a very low-key funeral for Celsius. The characters comment on how her subplots will now never likely be resolved, but at least things can't get worse. And that's when the gene bomb blows up in the skies above them. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> well, it's it's got to be Paul Kupperberg. You know, he's he's been given a mandate here. Mm-hmm. He has to clear the table for Grant Morrison. Yeah. He's got to get rid of the characters or set up for getting rid of the characters that Grant doesn't want to use and make sure the, the characters he does want to use are in a place where he can. And that includes uh, Dorothy Spinner, who is in this as a cameo at the very end. There's there's an extra figure. There's a little girl with a monkey face Okay, yeah. in the, in the background at the funeral. And this is a character that Kupperberg introduced, like a throwaway character, uh, he introduced in issue number 14, four issues before, and didn't plan to use again, but that Grant Morrison wanted to use. Uh, a young girl with an ape face, but the power to make her imaginary friends come to life. Oh my. And she I becomes, can see how Mer- Morrison wanted Yeah, that. and she becomes a, a member, a junior member of the Doom Patrol in the next phase. So she's here, but she's not named. It's like she's been added in the art afterwards. Okay. Just to just to plant that seed yeah, for more. But she's there. So that's why Celsius died last issue. Yeah. Grant Morrison doesn't want to use her. He doesn't want to use Negative Woman. Oh my. 
So she goes to checkmate from this because okay. Paul Pepperberg is writing that, and she's like former Russian spy. So I mean, it fits. But does the negative thing go? Does the she have... negative thing will go back to Larry, but because Larry here is hospitalized, okay. but while he's at the hospital, he and a doctor, a female, a black female doctor, and the creature merge and become Rebus. So he becomes a sort of hermaphroditic, biracial entity, but also very mysterious because the, the creature's inside them. Okay. Uh, and it's not so much about sending the creature out. The powers seem to be internalized in the body. Anyway, of course, it's Grant Morrison. He's going to play around with all okay. that. Invasion is very important to the next phase. Because of the Doom Patrol. Of the Doom Patrol. Because the gene bomb's going to have effects okay. that Grant Morrison is actually going to use to create characters, to change characters. Uh, and we'll see a lot of that. Like this... This is the end of the Doom Patrol? Not quite. It feels like Invasion Number 3 has a few more elements yeah. that will go into the um, issue 19. Kind of feels like that, because Morrison wrote the Animal Man tie-in mm -hmm. for uh, for this. I kind of feel like he has like thoughts and plans <laughs> for anything that happens to that gene bomb. Just because how he kind of tried to, with Animal Man, tried to see the other side and the beauty of destruction with the Danagarian bomb and everything. I think he's... he's yeah, I don't in, know. He's he's going to be Morrison with with yeah, all of this. That in the destruction there is creation. Yeah, and he doesn't believe like the rest of us that you know things die in comics. So they're all phoenixes who are gonna raise from the ashes <laughs> of the. So you know, yeah. and that's a nice way to transform something into something else and maybe something better, but at least something else. Right? Yeah, and even his first storyline will be called "Crawling from the Wreckage." Oh well, there you go. Like the phoenix rising. Like the phoenix, from... ri the phoenix rising, yeah. And like, so this issue is called Endings, Beginnings. There are no real beginnings there here. There are no it's beginnings just... over here. <laughs> the beginning of, uh, you know, female siren yeah, getting, getting whipped. Uh... Getting rid of Kansas City, yeah. get rid of their building, get rid of the setup, get rid of the, the whole status quo. Kind of feels like a breakup, you know, when somebody breaks up and all of a sudden all the clothes are on the front lawn and... You know, stereos are getting thrown out of windows. Yeah. Kind of feels like that, but still not really quite as violent. You know, when I when I call uh, Paul Kupperberg uh, one of the DC's workhorses, I often use those words for yeah. certain writers of the Bronze Age. And it's it, these people are, you know, just like they get, they've got passion projects, but they're also given books to work on. And, uh, and Doom Patrol is, was one of his passion projects. Okay. Uh, from back in the 70s. But, you know, when he's, he gets told... Do this, do that, or the books waning in sales. Uh, it's going to be canceled, or it's going to be salvaged by this Grant Morrison fella who's doing some good work with Animal Man. You know, one of the new golden boys of the UK invasion. So, could you do this for me? Could you know? Could you just set it up that certain characters are shuffled off in time for him? And Celsius is one of his creations from when he revamped the Doom Patrol in the seventies. I don't know. Killing her seems. I, I don't know if you stole kill Celsius just to get rid of Celsius. Yeah. And so killing her is something of a brave sacrifice for a writer. You know, maybe it's not as black and white as, you know, kill these people or maybe it's something like, all right, these characters are not going to make it to the next phase. They can disappear. They can lose their powers. They can, anything can they happen. They can go out in a blaze of glory. Anything can happen. So yeah. I just think Celsius, we talked about this last time, but Celsius dies for no real reason. No, really. And her subplots are all left dangling. And it's like, what happened here? What was this? mystery it just cut off all the loose threads there yeah just, it's kind of gone. left very open at this point and i mean the chief is just like yeah she used to be my wife so or uh, no she she faked being my wife she faked being my wife so let's uh you guys want a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah he's, he's a cold bastard <laughs> he, he really is 
<laughs> he really is. A bit about the art, that's about the writing, but I mean, a bit about the art. Uh, what did you think of the, uh, the a art? A uneven uh, throughout the book. I felt like some pages had a bit more love and some were just, you know, <laughs> get her done. And, and that's kind of how it felt. I didn't not like it. I didn't hate on it too much. But I think there was a, maybe too much details in the dominatrix suit and the stuff like that and it, probably, it just takes time to do yeah. these things if you're just chucking it out I'm going to blame the, the inking yeah the inking was kind of weak actually yeah. I, I don't I don't really know uh, Timothy Zahn or anything but um, uh, I do know Graham Nolan and this is early in his career sure but he um, here Timothy Zahn is just, just very very thin lines yeah. and I, I don't think it complements it may work on other artists but it doesn't complement Nolan very well I don't yeah. know it's, yeah, it's you know, my feeling I, I didn't really think about that but something was off with the inking it felt kind of thin yeah thin that's what we're gonna say about thin but i mean i don't know maybe zon was just uh i don't know maybe was he a temp maybe he was just temping <laughs> maybe he's just you know somebody said hey zon you want to get in on this and he said yeah and somebody said don't f- it up and he this just is, went uh, thin. this is uh, basically the last issue of a run that's uh, really a low <laughs> seller for us so uh let's give you a shot yeah there you go uh, well we don't know but uh <laughs> you're in i don't want to invent stories well, let's invent. Who's going to care? It's 1989. Somebody's going to care and we're going to get blasted, right? <laughs> uh, this is what you do, Beth. You go to the uh, comic book database. I will. Not. And then uh, you go Timothy Zahn uh, in, the, in the, the search bar. And then it'll churn up whatever. There's no entry. Oh, there it is. Tim ah, Zahn. Ah, Tim Zahn. Okay. So you go into Tim Zahn and you, then you click view chronological order of stuff. To see okay. how long or where this fit in his career. And it fits. So he'd been uh, inking or drawing since 1986 professionally. Books I don't know. So like ex-mutants and stuff like that. Okay. So it's he was working for indie companies. And his first work for the big two <laughs> wasteland in 87. The Flash, number 12. Oh, really? Inked a Velocity 9 issue. So, yeah. And then he went on to have an actual career. West Coast Avengers okay. and, nah, nah, nah. Okay. and if I go all the way down his last work was really Doom Patrol number 18 where, where he was too thin and got canned <laughs> no I'm kidding no I'm no kidding. he's probably somebody's favorite inker and I'm yeah. just making no jokes. really he worked all through the 90s so I mean once again it's the last issue of a you know not failing but a, you know not they're not selling they yeah. just... I, I thought the um, editor Bob Greenberger was very harsh in the in the letters page. There's an editorial saying... I, I didn't read all of it. I just saw that, you know, Doom Patrol was not going to be on shelves anymore. You can still buy it. The subscription note is pretty funny because it's actually... It's, it's, the, it's Robot Man just <laughs> screaming out. It's yeah. the cover from the first from okay. the first Grant Morrison issue, but <laughs> just like, no, no! <laughs> it's all gone wrong. Uh, but in the little blue bar there before the letters, um, this is what I found really harsh. He calls the um, the book we make substantial changes says most significant will be the changing creative personnel right names the people who are bring working on it they move on to other projects as we clear the decks for a fresh start a chance to start over and correct the mistakes that caused this book to be tumultuously received oh my it's like holy oh no (laughs) it's like a workhorse like Kupperberg like a company man who who just does the work just Just do the work he got kicked under a bus that's what happened it feels like you know it feels like (laughs) correct the mistakes oh my Um, (laughs) oh my I thought that was pretty that was harsh 
That was harsh. <laughs> you know, doing his best here. Oh, yeah, I'll buy guns now. It's yeah. I'll buy guns. Yeah. Grant Morrison went on to to write a seminal run of yeah. Doom Patrol that is still being emulated today. So, you know, the Doom Patrol as we think of it is Grant Morrison's more so than even the original from the 60s. You know, it panned out. <laughs> it panned out. He, he corrected the mistakes. <laughs> Uh, and in the second part, we'll talk about the history of the Doom Patrol. Yeah. And uh, we'll see that Paul Kupperberg actually admitted to some mistakes oh, in interviews. Fine. So we'll see where things went wrong, perhaps. So so in this <laughs> in this book, they killed Gargax. They killed Gargax, yeah. I mean, he's the main villain for a long time, right? For for the Doom Patrol? He's one of the original. He's one of the villains from the 60s. Because he's, uh, I like to call him, like, especially with these sirens. He's like the poor man's, you know, dark side of the moon, dark side. He has sirens. He has, you know, Darkseid has furies. Yeah. He's also got, like, these plastic men or plastic men, or I'm not sure what they're called, but he had, like, an artificial synthetic minions as well at some point. Yeah, parademons. (laughs) Basically (laughs) parademons. But he was quite the character. I mean, you don't see this type of character anymore. You know, this huge, bigger-than-life, weird, blobby type brain. I don't know if he's brainy. He's certainly must be. He must be. Yeah, because he created the sirens. They say that, you know, these weapons were made specially for the Doom Patrol. You don't see these types of... I, I like that there's a payoff in the sense that we saw Gargax in Invasion Number 1, where this thing where he's told, we want your, we want your moon base... Basically, but you don't. We don't want you. But we it. don't want you. So, uh, so he was very angry about that. But yeah. anyway, he would have proven untrustworthy. He would have turned on the alliance in a oh, second, in a blink and, of and an did eye. regardless. So, uh, so it's interesting that you know he joins the Doom Patrol, it's, but he's biding his time. He basically wants uh, to see what the alliance will leave of Earth and then attack that, yeah. which makes it easier. But first, he's got to destroy the Doom Patrol, which is like a supervillain obsession. So yeah. I leave the Doom Patrol alone. Oh, that's legit. I've got to wipe my particular opponents off the board. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I guess Superman's left Earth. <laughs> he leaves Earth a couple days later. Yeah. But, I mean, there are a lot of superheroes on Earth, dude. Yeah, that's, but... That's why the Alliance failed. <laughs> nobody's as tough as Robot Man, so, you know. <laughs> so Gargax, yeah, he buys it, and it's it's, it's a true death. I, it's, uh, at least until they decide to resurrect him, or of course, they may have him. But I, I didn't know these characters for a long time, but I was kind of shocked. Oh, my God, they just killed this guy, who seemed to be, you know, had a history, and was, you know, this he had a base on the dark side of the moon. I mean, that feels like a like a song. It's a bit unceremonious, too, because... he just blown to pieces. So, I mean, you know, Grant Morrison, you can't use Gargax. Little did <laughs> Copperberg know that... <laughs> That uh, Graham Morrison would be using, uh, I mean, Brotherhood of Dada, and it's like Uh, it's not about Gargax anymore. Not weird enough. (laughs) I'm I'm not attached to Gargax or or anything. No. And people who are saying Gargwax are going nuts right now because we're saying (laughs) Gargax all the time. But, you know, I didn't have any emotional thing for Gargax, but I was like, wow, you just killed him. It was so easy. They're just cutting well, out this is why characters. you need an alliance if you're going to invade Earth. Because uh, Gargak's doing it alone. Oh, it can't happen. Yeah. One satellite, one call. <laughs> one call to the president by <laughs> the non-powered member of the Doom Patrol of all... <laughs> It, that this is not DC's premier team. No, no, exactly. Especially exactly. at this point, it's a lot of new kids that aren't really working. And... But but I was also kind of shocked because I know of the old old Doom Patrol, and when they severed the negative powers from Negative Woman, I was like, oh my, this is a big thing. They just they didn't kill her. No, but they basically depowered her. Yeah. She's just a, a person now. 
forever. And that's no that waiting for the gene bomb. There was a lot of stuff going on in this issue. A lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it's it's an end of an era for them. What did you think of the? I was uh, intrigued by uh, the funeral arrangements. This is. I mean, we've seen even recently. We, you know, we just covered the New Guardians. Yeah. And uh, there was a funeral there for one of their members. They're the other team that's not really selling, so they're killing off characters. Yeah. I've seen a lot of funerals. I've never really seen someone discuss funeral arrangements with a funeral director. (laughs) This is like the weirdest episode of Six Feet Under. It's weird. (laughs) It's very weird with uh, real characters. Because Tempest, I mean, that's where you see the temper, I guess. You know, because he's doing the funeral arrangements. And then Gargax attacks gets pissed off because you know the funeral arrangement guy is kind of being a dick but i don't know but at the same time yeah this is this it's is a gonna superhero be and who sacrifice themselves during the invasion and probably state funerals yeah that kind of thing would be would seem to make sense even for someone like celsius well she still gave her life in that invasion so yeah, yeah. So i don't think is. the guy was selling the rights or you know, I don't know. It wasn't selling advertising that's, space. That's not what I thought also. I was like, yeah, well, maybe there there should be a big funeral. Tempest was like, hey, you, stop doing that. I'm going to kill you. You'll, <laughs> you'll be in the plot next to her. <laughs> I'm a, it's like, whoa. I'm going to explode right here and give my name to, you know, Aqualad. But uh, <laughs> he's not talking like that, I know. Yeah, but no. he, he, he was like very temperamental and, you know, being very menacing and it was a weird scene and i think that's part and parcel of why this iteration of the doom patrol didn't really work the characters never really gelled there's a lot of new characters even the older characters like celsius and tempest are basically from the re the redress from the 70s which didn't last long so nobody really knows who tempest is as a character all that much hey great name They've had few appearances, let's say. So even here in issue 18, it's like their 25th appearance ever kind of thing for them. Just Robot Man and the Chief. and Robot Man is the guy that's been in every version. Well, yeah, he's the the best character. He's basically the Doom Patrol. If if he's in the team, it's called Doom Patrol. Oh, yeah. If you let him join your team, you've become the Doom Patrol and you're all going to die. I mean... I mean, robot. And to be fair, robot man isn't he dead? Isn't he like uh, somebody's consciousness inside a robot or somebody's brain originally? Yeah, no, I inside mean, a robot? as long as the brain lives. Yeah, I mean, he's the original You're cyborg. Alive. Yeah, he's he's the ultimate cyborg. He's yeah. just a brain in a metal body or a porcelain body. Maybe. Oh, it's not porcelain. He's too. Yeah, tough it's, for it's that. a kind. Of, I think it's a kind of a hard oh, yeah, porcelain. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's metal. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know much about robot man. I just. Like his accent? Robot Man's like the thing. I like You know, the, he's that kind of... I like the cut of his He's orange. Chin. He's orange. He's orange. He's super strong and he talks like a, like he's from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> or Queens. I like that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. Should be smoking cigars. I think he wishes he could. <laughs> My last note here is about the very ending. Again, the harsh... Either the harshness of the editor or the writer going, I'm out. <laughs> uh, because this ends with... Uh, to be continued in Invasion number three. It's just a caption. And in the caption it says... That's all, folks. Yeah, I mean, it's tonally off. You've got characters dying, losing their powers. This is the end of an era. We're saying goodbye to a creative team. Abidi, abidi, abidi. <laughs> I thought, oh my god! I mean, they're really going like nobody cares about this comic anymore. Fine, fine. We hate you too, fans. <laughs> it really feels weird. It feels like a breakup. It really feels like a breakup. I mean, there's a lot of passive aggressive <laughs> yeah. writing in this this thing. Exactly. You know, people are so angry. 
<laughs> you know, when if you ever read like a Facebook thread where, you know, two friends are going at it and there's stuff coming out and you don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> kind of feels like that. Kind of feels like that. So do you have any, any last thoughts? Oh, no, I just I just felt like everything was either dying, blowing up, or burning in this thing. Well, there's certainly more action than a lot of these aftermath tie-ins. Yeah. Everybody else relaxing. Doom Patrol. And cleaning up. And Doom yeah. Patrol, they're just blowing up. They're trying dying. to bury one of their friends. Yeah. And they're still getting attacked. There's another invasion. It's, it's on them. Exactly. And I, I, I mean, they could have nipped that in the bud. And I mean, they had Gargax in their headquarters. <laughs> they could have just kicked him in the head. Yeah, I think when he declared war on earth the chief should have done something and like think, shot him in the back i, I think Doom <laughs> Patrol, they just listen to the chief too much i mean they only move if the chief says move and i'd be like eh, chief uh, how about we kick this guy in the shins but you know chief is like well you want to invade earth gargax well we'll see about that and gargax leaves while laughing his head off he had a plan <laughs> <laughs> Did the Doom Patrol have no plan? They didn't have a plan. But Gargax had a plan. The sirens were on call. He didn't even go to the moon. They came to pick him up, went around the block, and they attacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, that's it. So. <laughs> it was entertaining. Yeah, I, it's I not a bad it. fight. You know what? This entire issue was better than anything I've seen from the new New Guardians. So, I mean, at least I was entertained. Things were burning and blowing up. Things are happening. It's oh, It's yeah. permanent. You know, <laughs> and they show it. They just they don't just talk about it. They show it. It becomes the last issue of um, that version of the Doom Patrol. And for me on the stands, that would have been the last one I could have bought at the bookstore, yeah. convenience store. So it was for many people. And actually, when I pick up the book again, it'll be a number of back issues in a chunk and in a, during a going out of business sale in a comic book store. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in the next segment. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of happy now because I bought a trade paperback of Morrison's Doom Patrol. Okay, so, so I'm so I'm gonna be from pick, I'm gonna be oh. I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna be picking up where this leaves off. Excellent. I didn't even read it yet. I was just waiting. Awesome. Well, <laughs> tell me all about it. <laughs> will you feel the difference? I think I will. <laughs> so I won't spoil anything too much. Good. Uh, in the next segment, but we, uh, that's where we're going next. We'll be talking about our feelings about the Doom Patrol and its history. That's uh, coming up after the promo. Doom Patrol. 1963. Doom Patrol debut. My Greatest Adventure, issue 80. 1964. My Greatest Adventure, renamed Doom Patrol. Issue 85. 1968. Doom Patrol destroyed. Issue 121. 1976. The new Doom Patrol. Showcase 94. 1987. Doom Patrol Volume 2. Copperberg Lytle. 1989. Morrison and Case. Issue 19. 1993. Pollack. Issue 64. 2001. Doom Patrol Volume 3. Arcudi Hewitt. 2004. Doom Patrol Volume 4. Burn. Shush. 2009. Doom Patrol Volume 5. Giffen Clark. 2012. 2013. 2014. 2015. 2016. Waiting for Doom. The Doom Patrol Podcast. Because we're waiting. 
available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Podbean.com. We're back. We're talking about the Doom Patrol today. Doom Patrol. We kind of skipped out on it last time, uh, knowing that we'd have a second issue to, to try again. We had to talk about Aquaman last time. We had to because it doesn't appear again. Exactly. Anywhere. So uh, that was our one shot. Doom Patrol had two shots. This is it. So um, Doom Patrol. So you, you're just I don't know entering much. this world. I, I don't know much about the Doom Patrol. I read their entries in, you know, uh, uh, Who's Who. And I, I saw that. I knew who Robot Man was and Negative Man and Negative... Because Robot Man used to appear semi-regularly in New Titans. Yeah. And uh, I knew that back then they called him Changeling. But Beast Boy was part of the Doom Patrol with a mask. Um, but I didn't know much about him. I knew him through uh, basically Teen Titans and more recently through shows like uh, Brave and the Bold. And the Doom Patrol does yeah. appear in... Yeah, one of my favorite episodes also, because it's so weird. And it's like the classic one, right? It's, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's with a classic, the classic but... girl. Yeah. And, yeah and, and these weird monsters with a face, but just one eye or just a mouth or just a nose, and which is just weird, funny. And, and I, I really liked Robot Man. It's basically the only thing I knew about, about him. He's essentially immortal if you want him to be. Because, yeah. But um, he's a Golden Age hero, right? Silver yeah. Age. Silver Age? They're all Silver Age. There is a Golden Age hero. Yes, you're right. There is a Robot Man from the Golden Age. Yeah. Different character entirely. Okay. They just picked up the name again. In this case, they were born in 1963, fully grown adults. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, in 19... as superheroes yeah. are. Uh, in 1963, in um, My Greatest Adventure number 80, that was their first appearance. And this is the original guys, the Chief, Robot Man, Elastic Girl, and Negative Man. Uh, and um, that turned into Doom Patrol. They changed the title to Doom Patrol eventually, like in number 86. And then it was canceled number 121, most remarkably, getting killed off in that issue. Wow. Usually when you get canceled, well, maybe we'll see them again. Not not the Doom Patrol. Boom. Killed off. Yeah, they were created by um, uh, writers Arnold Drake and Bob Haney. So, so th- that's you know where was the... crazy. Yeah. Well, Arnold Drake is was a big writer in the Silver Age so he's used to Silver Age tropes and okay. uh, he was really the guiding hand but the creation itself was between these two writers so the concepts and uh, the artist then was Bruno Premiani so uh, they were billed as the world's strangest heroes from the get-go and uh, they even had weirder villains Gargax is pretty pretty tame or pretty tame compared to the animal vegetable mineral man oh or, yeah yeah well I know about him yeah so you know there are some characters in there that it was supposed to be strange heroes okay. misfits and so there is contention about Marvel stealing the like Stanley stealing the idea to create X-Men there are some similarities the chief is in a wheelchair Professor X is in a wheelchair misfits that people hate yeah, weird. they're more monster than than, than yeah. hero kind of thing. Arnold Drake actually complained about this oh, wow. for a long time. He he sort of mellowed in the latter days, but uh, originally he was especially when he found out that there was some writers were moonlighting at the other company. Oh. Kind of thing, where like working both sides. Like everybody maybe, was in New York. Yeah, they just went across the. They just went. They just walked over, and <laughs> maybe they they worked for both, and sometimes oh, wow. under a pseudonym at one of them, you know. And so they might someone might have heard something in the corridors, in the halls, and Ooh. so Stan Lee probably had six seven months head time and to steal the concept. Then he mellowed and said, "Well, maybe Misfits isn't the it's- most original thing." And I'd also say that at this point, we've had the Fantastic Four for a couple 
couple years. And I mean, look at the Doom Patrol. You've got an orange super strength guy in both. You've got, you know, Negative Man is the Human Torch, yeah. only just yeah, inked we- up black. There's only one girl in the group, but the stretching is actually Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. And then the other guy is super brainy. Yeah. And that's Mr. Fantastic's as yeah, a personality. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, it's I, a quartet that looks yeah, familiar, too. I agree. So, yeah, maybe we should ease off the who's stealing from who. <laughs> and, and and to be fair, I, I mean, these are archetypes. I mean, they're archetypes. The brainy one, the strong one, you know. The, the hothead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the girl. Yeah, know. back then there was... Back then there was the girl. That was enough. They used to have these archetypes back then and and they're still now what i liked about the doom patrol is how they were just weird and it gets weird and in fact that's what the intent was now regardless they were weird for their day perhaps not so weird today yeah looking at the original group and treated as freaks in the 70s paul kupperberg and joe staten uh, recreated the, the team in um, showcase number 94 and just, like for a three issue try and then it didn't go to series so for a while it was that team celsius tempest robot man was back uh, negative woman. The other ones were dead, dead, dead. Recreating the team, still with Robot Man as the the core, I guess. That didn't catch on. They showed up in you know team up books, and they were still in the background. Robot Man was showing up in New Titans, as yeah. you said. And then this led to this the series that is kind of ending now in the mid '80s, and it's still those guys. And Paul Kupperberg is on record saying that he's not proud of the new Doom Patrol uh, because. He feels that he missed the point. Oh, that's a big statement. Yeah, that he that basically he created a team of superheroes, but they could be superheroes in any other team. They're not particularly... They're not weird. They're not weird or freaks. Tempest is just an energy projector. Yeah. Celsius just projects ice and fire. Uh, you know, Negative Woman is just Negative Man. So, yeah. so I think he just... Uh, he said that he, he thinks his Doom Patrol missed the point of the series. And in fact, Arnold Drake would go on to say that uh, when Grant Morrison started on it, that this was the first time he ever saw ever read doom patrol stories that had the same intent as his that's a that's in a, a modern context and they're completely a big, different that's a context. big statement that well that's one of the things i mean i'm not i like Grant morrison for a lot of things and and one of the things i do like about him is that he kind of understands how the superheroes work not their powers their powers are like secondary to, to morrison they're they're just there it's like his uh, statement on superman where he says you know it's not hard to write superman he's a guy from kansas why do people go with all the kryptonian mythology and you know and he's not from there he learned about it but he's a guy from kansas and he has like real world problems and relationships and stuff like that and i think morrison kind of looks at these characters as living breathing people first and superpowers next and you know to go on their adventures i don't know that i agree with that no well he's a big fan of the silver age so I feel like a lot of what he does is take Silver Age tropes that seem absurd today and say, yes, that is absurd. What would be absurd in today's context? Or how would those things work? You know, if we find them absurd in the comics that were kind of simple or yeah. more childlike, perhaps, in terms of plot, you know, let's apply real psychology. You're right about that. Let's apply real psychology to those absurdities. Stop being so grounded in the real and make it completely absurd. But the characters are, you know, also feel that this is absurd. They realize that it's absurd. So, you know, just like... Which is not a bad thing. Yeah, so you get a lot of that. Animal Man had, you know, the whole storyline where he finds out he is a comic book character. Yeah. That's just an echo of Superman turning to us during the Silver Age and... Winking. Winking. You know, it's just that same idea what if characters can do that? Here we accept it as a simple, cute idea. Yeah. 
let's let's make it real for a character and the character just like you know it becomes existential so with the doom patrol what he does is a completely different thing animal man was very grounded in you know real people a real family what would it be for a superhero to have a real job yeah (laughs) you have to deal with a young kid who's probably be a delinquent doom patrol was sort of a collage of all sorts of ideas so it'd become you'll you'll find out but uh (laughs) Soon enough. And even Re- Calling from the Wreckage is fairly tame compared to what, what comes afterwards. I think okay. like the painting that ate Paris is like one of my favorite stories. Or So it becomes about, it, you know, the villains speak all in anagrams. The villains speak all in um, acronyms. The villains uh, are basically just uh, automatic writing. He would get up in the middle of the night and just write down his dreams and then use those visions okay. well, into the book. That's what you have to do to it's create. It's gorgeous. It's uh, Lovecraft. It's picking up from all sorts of random, you know, strange sources. The, the painting that eats, that eats Paris is the story with the Brotherhood of Dada. So first of all, he's using the Dada movement as a core idea, turning the Brotherhood of Evil into the, a Brotherhood of Nonsense. Villains yeah. creating art, in a way. So they steal this painting that eats Paris. And when the Doom Patrol enters the painting, and then there are levels of Paris where it is, you know, each level is represented in a different painting style. So there's a Fauvist Paris, there's okay. a surreal Paris, there's a, you know, photorealistic Paris. And and then the Doom Patrol has to use the properties of the, like, what they know of art history, basically, to make, <laughs> to defeat the Brotherhood. So, well, they're supposed to be dealing with weird stuff. And this is the ultimate weirdest stuff. And well, it blew my freaking mind. Well, I can see why. I, you know, I went to the, that, that comic book store. One million comics or something. Okay. And I, I probably told this uh, story before somewhere, but um, they had a going out of business sale. And it was where there's a tattoo parlor now in front of uh, Haley's. Okay, yeah. That's where it was. Okay. And Haley's was just a used bookstore. Okay. So they were one, one next to the other across the street. And uh, this place was not a nice place. It was a very small room, first of yeah. all. It was kind of grungy. And the owner was kind of an ass. I'll say that. So, <laughs> Well, they went out of business. So he yeah, didn't they were going out of business. But it, it was a clients. chain anyways. Yeah. I think there's a million comics are elsewhere. There's one in Fredericton that's actually okay. good or used to be. I don't know. So I, we go in there. I, was, oh, there. I heard there's a sale. We go in there. And the, the owner's not there. And so it was like... Uh, everything's half off the pr- the cover price or whatever price there is and a lot of the, the stuff wasn't bagged okay so if you picked up a bag you'd, you'd have like you know the price on it that was marked up or whatever the, the wizard guide yeah, yeah. you know price on there but a lot of the series weren't complete there and you had to go in the boxes underneath and the boxes underneath they weren't bagged not boarded nor bagged it was just cover price and the the cashier she didn't question it so all those comics that were like a buck or a buck 25 were suddenly 50 cents oh that's a steal so we were grabbing entire series up to that point. Like everything up through, you know, like two years worth of Legion 89. Two years worth of Animal Man. Like basically the entire Grant Morrison run of Animal Man. In rags. The singles, yeah. Yeah, wow. So it was like that time. From the start of the new format yeah. to 1990, 1991. Or wow. Yeah, so I got the entire run of Animal Man. You know, maybe there's an issue or two missing that I have to find somewhere yeah. elsewhere. Same thing, Doom Patrol. Like the first couple years of Doom Patrol. The first couple years of my friend had got like... 
like the first couple years of Sandman, the first couple years of Hellblazer. You know, we were just grabbing these, these series that we had not accessed. You know, you didn't have that back home. No, at a drugstore or something like that. Yeah, that just you never got those. Yeah. So it was exciting, and oh, uh, and then that. you're reading two years of Animal Man in one sitting. In, in a, yeah, in one sitting, you're reading <laughs> two years of Doom Patrol, and just like all these comics that were, let's say, my level. I am college age, and this stuff is basically the stuff I'm interested in. Just hitting all the right and, notes. Yeah, you know, I was going to the library the next day <laughs> to research some of this stuff. Oh my, it's pre-internet. <laughs> See, kids. <laughs> You should read comics. You'll go to the library. Oh, man. That Doom Patrol stuff was so important to me, to my development as a person, as a writer. So you would you say that you're a fan? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say that I am a fan. And, you know, he lasted on the book for a good long while. And maybe the later stories aren't so strong necessarily, okay. although it ends on a very high note for me. All about Danny the Street, one of the characters that he introduced okay. uh, later on, which was um, a sentient transvestite street that okay. uh, that moves around the world. You know, just like sometimes the street is there, sometimes it's not. And it became the Doom Patrol's HQ. That's the weirdest thing. So it ended on like a Danny thing. It's, okay. I mean, it was, there was a lot of heady... <laughs> <laughs> stuff in there uh, and then when it turned vertigo when the vertigo imprint was created yeah. uh, all those books went to vertigo but Graham Morrison didn't follow so it was uh, Rachel Pollock who was a fan of the book fan turned pro picked it up it was never as good because you can't you, you know. can only emulate if you're a fan you yeah really... I think she had some interesting things to say but it was a lot of Kabbalah and mysticism and uh, the heady stuff wasn't so comprehensible okay uh, but she had a lot of interesting things about transgender you know there were transgender characters okay and so okay it's it's got it's still the Doom Patrol is still but the vertigo forced it into a more adult yeah. realm that didn't necessarily always work with superheroes. And then uh, that was eventually canceled. Then through the 2000s, I sort of, I missed a couple of series. There was a John Arcudi series that featured new characters. Even Robot Man isn't really himself. No, he's... I don't want to spoil it for people. Okay. It, I mean, it's not really... He's Robot Man, but he's not really, so... I missed that. Anyways, I'd never read that book. It didn't last long. And then John Byrne picked it up and he rebooted the team so that nothing... The, the original characters are still alive. All the 70s, 80s, the Graham Morrison stuff never happened. They were all in a coma after the first explosion. Who knows? But I, did, I didn't read it. And it was very controversial. There's some oh. pedophilia stuff in there. It's oh. kind of... Uh, yeah, we don't want that. Yeah, yeah. No. So, um, yeah, it was kind of gross, as only John Byrne can be sometimes, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but also, it just did away with a lot of history that people Love. loved. Uh, so when uh, Infinite Crisis hit, they undid the John Byrne thing. Oh, wow. So in Infinite Crisis fixed something? It Well, it went back to the original paradigm, okay. although then they still decided that Elastigirl survived, or was recreated okay. from her skull. When you're, when you're plastic. I, well, exactly. <laughs> you can be regrown. So I mean, she, when you're a shapeshifter. Nowadays, she could probably be uh, 3D printed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh, there was a... It took a while, but Keith Giffen got a series going. Okay. Uh, and that was very Morrison-esque. The same sort of strange villains, the strange storylines, and 
Danny was back. I think it was a cabana by then. How does like Dan, Danny the Hut or something? What's the sex of a street? I mean, I mean, in French, it's the it's street, feminine. It's it's, it's well, a he girl. was a, he was a transvestite, so he was a he. This is how it was shown. It was it's like a quaint little main street, okay, uh, from like Americana. But uh, let's say all the stores were masculine stores, gun wow. shops, okay, mechanics, you know, but. They were all dressed up with flowers and, um, okay. and you know, and crepe paper. and So Dainty everything looked stuff. very feminine. Okay. But all the, the stores were actually selling masculine stuff. Yeah, yeah. Chainsaws. And, and Yeah, so that's... The idea was that yeah. the street was male. Looked yeah, female. But looked female. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. There's a mirror in Rebus. Because, you know, Rebus yeah. was both male and female. And, you know, a robot man has no sex. He's yeah. been I mean, castrated, he, basically. He sounds like a guy. He has no... Oh, he's, he's, I mean, he was a man before. Yeah. His brain is male. There's a lot of uh, a lot of reflection on sex and sexual orientation, but... I, sure, I'm, because I'm this guessing. is when the brain and Monsieur Mala were outed as a gay, a gay couple. Yeah. This is yeah. during that run. May even be in the issues you, you have collected. I don't know how, how far it goes. See, I, I know these two. I know the brain and Mr. Mala, because I have a friend, well, he's your friend too, uh, Frédéric Mallet. I like to just call him Mr. Mala, because it sounds like his name. He doesn't know it's a, he's an albino. He's not albino. <laughs> no, he's not, he's not the albino, uh, a gorilla, but he's a, no, he's just pale. He's just like, no, he's, not. he's black. No, he's not. He's Mr. Malas. Mr. Malas is just a gorilla. Uh, he's pretty pale. Yeah, pretty pale. Well, I, as he has a beret. Yeah, but he's got black fur. You think? I, I know. Uh, you probably know. You, you mixed them up first with the ultra humanite. Yes, I did. And then with Congorilla. Congorilla. <laughs> Damn Tom Gorilla. <laughs> See, I don't know much about that guy. I, I know my you know. I know my gorillas. You do know your gorillas. No, he's the same color as uh, Gorilla Grodd. Really? Yeah. He's just a gorilla. Well, not just a gorilla. He's well, a he super a intelligent. Yeah, and he has a machine gun, right? Yeah. Or is that Congorilla again? No, that, that, that is him. Okay. The beret. And he's French. And he's French. <laughs> he's French. That's why I know Mr. Malaf. Yeah, there, there's a lot of psychosexual well, elements I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy in the that. latter Doom Patrol. Because we, we talk about that a lot now. But, I mean, this was, you know, a reflection and people thinking about this. In the uh, early 90s. In early 90s inside, you know, comic books and art and real stories. And that's that's kind of refreshing. That's kind of a nice thing to hear from that time. You know, it's always been there. And some of these uh, writers you know, wanted to touch on it. I know Ra Rachel Pollock did a lot with that. There was... She had actually a member that was tran a transgender woman, okay. uh, and uh, and she had a lot more sexual stuff because she was under vertigo. She well, could. she could. He's Giffen. Uh, yeah. I also remember that uh, the, he uh, actually uh, put Ambush Bug as a member. Really? So just there, I was happy. Wow. Uh, and then now there's a current series that is again, you know, right now under the Young Animal label, yeah. and uh, it's again it's Morrison Light. It's very much built on the bones of the Grant Morrison era. With many of the Grant Morrison characters, Danny the Street returns, Crazy Jane returns, uh, and there's a link to Invasion in there. I actually bought that comic. Yes, and uh, because of that link, and we'll explore that in a later episode. Cool. So the Invasion was like I said, the Invasion is very important to to Doom Patrol because it will create characters like Crazy Jane. It will change characters. We'll see how the Gene Bomb works. I don't want to spoil it now because uh, that's in a couple shows. Yeah. When we finally tackle Invasion number three, a few series actually really sprang out of Invasion, but we rarely talk about how Doom Patrol Volume 2 Phase 2 is actually, you know, a spin-out of Invasion. That's great. Can't wait to explore that. We'll take another short break, <laughs> uh, and uh, when we come back, uh, your um, your feedback, well, not your feedback. Not last, my but feedback. No, yeah. The, yeah. Well, your feedback on the feedback that people left 
will be the previous feed- episode. So much feedback, it'll sound like a 90s song from any album. We've also got a fun announcement. Stick around. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stayed together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. Every episode. My name is Jean. I'm a Martian. Every adventure. <sighs> okay. You guys are so slow. Every hero. Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world, the Justice League will take you down. Cindy and Chris Franklin bring you JLU Cast. Whatever the future holds, we'll make those choices ourselves. Don't say you don't love me. I'll never say that. Covering the complete animated run of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And the adventure continues. There's strength in numbers. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League. Letters from the front! Letters from the front! (laughs) We will be looking at your feedback for episode 31, but first... But first! But first, people! You know, this month is our two-year anniversary. Yeah! Well, happy two years. Uh, happy two years to you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Two years of invasion, and uh, we're on the, the last year, guys. I know. There are, you know, after this one, there's like eight episodes to go. I know. Uh, so what another we, at least eight months. I mean, what, what do we do next? I don't know. <laughs> I can't be left alone. Uh, I don't know. I'll just drive out, <laughs> leave you on the side of the road. Yeah, I'll be hanging out with uh, the sentient street. <laughs> what do we do to celebrate? And what I decided to do is get us some merch. Yeah, we got a nice t-shirt out. <laughs> t-shirt or cup or yeah, yeah. tote bag. Or I bought a t-shirt. Cushion. I bought, I bought a t-shirt. I bought a t-shirt as well. Uh, so uh, this is from Public, where yeah. you know basically you can create your own shirts uh, or design and put them on there whatever it is and it's easy if you want to get one of these it's uh, basically it's first strike remember Melbourne <laughs> exactly so it's important to remember that Melbourne fell during the invasion first city to fall and uh, you know there's probably they're probably still rebuilding I know people are still talking about Coast City blah no no but originally yeah. let's not forget the Melbourne invasion was pretty terrible too yes. you know? so uh, never forget never forget. and never forget thanks to these uh, merchable items there, uh, you just go to the fireandwaterpodcast.com uh, and there is a merch tab there. And uh, you can choose from a selection of designs, including Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, there is a Supermates one. There is uh, Ohad More Not merchandise. There's a lot of stuff. And, All your favorites. And of course, this one. First Strike, Remember Melbourne. And we don't make money on this, folks. No. It's, uh, you know, any profits go to hosting the, the MP3 files. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're not going to get rich, but we will be uh, really proud if you buy something and show it off. Yeah. Show it off on the uh, Facebook page or something. Yeah, or, you know, at conventions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fine. And so, okay, so let's get into the feedback. Yes, feedback. Enough shilling. Um, we're talking about the, the, the last episode, which was about New Guardians number seven. Yeah, that was great. Huh? Not a favorite. And, um, team books that didn't tie in to Invasion. Yeah, probably we, a nice discussion on that. Yeah, we talked about a number of, uh, books, uh, Titans, yeah. Legion, Secret Origins, uh, Young All Stars. Yeah, everybody was, uh, busy, apparently. All these teams were busy doing something else. Or living in another century. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so let's start with Chris Franklin. He says, still listening, but I'm required by law to inform you that New Teen Titans number one through fifty and the first arc of the Baxter series are that good and are worthy of the characters they introduce. 
I will readily admit the book stumbled after Perez left, but while he was on the book, it was one of the best comics on the stands and still holds up today. Read those and forget the rest. I will again thank you, because I, I did like them. Yeah, no, I was, like I, was I said, a Teen Titans guy. This is this isn't the era of Titans I read, and so I am not a Titans fan. Yeah. But you know, you're just making my point, Chris. Uh, David Is Gutierrez says, uh, first, nice coverage on what sounds like an otherwise drab issue. Sometimes I wonder how New Guardians managed to make it to print. While it is important in its role in diversity and inclusivity, it's unfortunate the series never rose above mediocre. And it's also sad the characters created in Millennium for the series are afterthoughts at best and jokes at their worst. Uh, he says, and you're right, I think Wolfman should have cut and run long before he did, long before Team Titans. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he was on that book forever. It was like he was yeah. the Chris Claremont of DC. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He didn't want to do it anymore. Well, you know, so that tends to show. Uh, he also says, let me get this straight. The way to get Siskoid to try a comic is to break into his house? Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> First thing, you, you probably never find it. Uh, and, well, it's quite easy. He only lives on the third floor. I mean... <laughs> Just climb. Just climb. climb. Second floor. Uh, but, <laughs> but back then, it was even easier, obviously. Oh, yeah. Really, that's not even what broke the friendship with that guy. No, probably not. He was probably being an ass or something. Uh, it was... I won one chess game too many against oh him. Oh, my God. And he... He snapped? He grabbed me, turned me upside down, and pile-drivered me into the floor. Oh, my God. For a chess game? That we were pretty equal. I mean... It was like, I win a game, he wins a game, I win a game, he wins a game. I don't even know what was up Oh my that God. time. So you won once too many. You broke the record. I, I I don't know. He was just angry, and then they said, don't laugh, and that's a sure way to make me laugh. <laughs> Wait a minute. He got angry at a chess game, then told you not to laugh. Well, that's that's a recipe for <laughs> and disaster. And then he laughed. So I laughed, and then of he... Of course he did. And then he went after me, and so I ran... Probably laughing. As a joke. And then he got up to me, and I'm still laughing, so I'm not really defending myself. <laughs> he really piled Oh, I you. mean, and then it, it smashed my glasses. Oh, my. And then he wouldn't pay for a new pair. Oh. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was pretty the much end. the end. Yeah, that would end friendship. That was pretty much the end. Oh, uh, my. Boys will be boys, huh? Oh, God. Nerds will be nerds. Um, there's no excuse for that. Never give physical strength to a nerd. That was actual nerd rage. That oh, was. That was actual The guy rage. was built like I was. There's no... There's no reason. Who there's could. no real power difference. Oh, my God. Nerd rage. Real accounts of nerd rage. Uh, let's go for Paul Hicks here. Yes, yes, please. Uh, of Waiting for Doom. So we yeah. already played his promo, obviously, for this uh, episode. He says, uh, legit lull over the joke comment on Ryan Daly's current podcast output. <laughs> but seriously, Secret Origins was the golden age of podcasting, though I do find the Night Force uh, episodes of Midnight the Podcasting Hour to be magnificent listening. Another fine episode. He means ours this time. And this one was easily the worst of them, of the tie-ins. I even picked up the entire run around it because compulsions, but discarded them happily in the late 90s. I was really into the Titans when it was backstirring along, but every time I've gone back to it, I find it ages more and more poorly. Dated pop culture references abound, the fashions look terrible, probably because they're so lovingly rendered, 
Uh, Terry Long as Marv's avatar. Characters are quite shallow once you get past the pseudo-depth of their personalities, and the wordiness overwhelms me and makes me feel like I'm studying for an actual exam. And you know, this is true of like X-Men comics of the day, and you were very invested in the characters, yeah. but reading them today, they're, they're not so modern. There's a lot of blah, 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 and yeah. a lot of speech bubbles, which can be true of modern comics as well. Uh, in this case, it, it, it does feel dated. Well, I guess they had to get that teen, young, adult angst out. Yeah, something. and there's a lot more exposition in those books back then also because, you know, if you missed an issue or if this is your first issue, there's no easy yeah. way to get the information uh, that you missed. So yeah. everybody's going recap, recap, recap. And this is true of what we're reading in Invasion. Exactly. Uh, he also says, Legion, on the other hand, is the concept that keeps on giving and I find myself going back to it in almost all iterations more and more as I steam into my twilight years. Hmm. Not so wordy. Yeah, there's something a little slick and modern about... Paul Levitz's Legion back in the 80s. Yeah. I have to admit, there's a lot more confidence in just letting the images do the work, I think. Okay. Well, that's a... Maybe there's just like a feeling because I, I look at Legion stuff more often than I do Titan stuff, so maybe the comparison's not fair. But Tim Price! Tim Price says, I figured Titans was exempt from crossovers because it was too successful, and if Marv didn't want to participate, that was that. It wasn't just uh, Millennium. The Titans comic didn't cross over with Legends, even though Flash and Changeling were part of the miniseries. But after Invasion, Titans was crossing over with the following events, so I guess Marv wasn't the 800-pound gorilla of DC anymore. Probably a good assessment. He also says, but they seriously dropped the ball on not having a Secret Origins tie-in. Adam Strange or Silver Age Hawkman Hawkwoman. Sorry, boss. <laughs> I'm trying to warm up the Hawkman. <laughs> see, I still see him as an invader. Uh, Santarin says, it would seem to me that uh, with the cover, they are doing the normal alluding to Hamlet, because, you know, the crystal skull in the yes, hand. Yes. I'm guessing that they incorrectly think the cover makes reference to Act 3, Scene 1, which he, he quotes in full. Most people tend to forget that Hamlet is contemplating suicide in the scene and be, there's no skull. So it's not to be or not to be with the skull. I think it's uh, foreshadowing for uh, Indiana Jones. That's what I think <laughs> That's it, it. Uh, He says, the scene, of course, being about how in the end we all die and turn to dirt and ash and who knows where they could end up. Yeah, so the alas poor Yorick, that does work in the context of what New Guardians was going through. I, I guess, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not brushed up on Shakespeare that much of late. <laughs> of late. Of, 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 of there have late. been developments in yeah, the, the Shakespeare. I, I haven't know, read I, any new Shakespeare in a while. Haven't <laughs> haven't been around the Shakespeare thing, being French and everything, so I might want to... You've you know, played Macbeth. I did play Macbeth, but he's Scottish. He's not, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know... That's a strange caveat. <laughs> there are witches and stuff. I mean, it's not... I don't know if really New Gardens would fit into a Shakespearean type... I mean, thing, if I there's mean, a reference, it's that I mean, they, they, like the, the thing with the skull. Obviously, is like a visual reference, well, but course. in the story itself, it's about contemplating mortality, which is what a Hamlet is about in those parts. Contemplating mortality—that's it's a wide brush. I is know. It, is it really? That's why Shakespeare is universal. <laughs> is it really Shakespearean? Well, once you put the skull in the hand of a guy, yeah, okay. Even if it's you're crystal. going, we will all become this, and that's what the characters yeah. go through. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, Extraño personally, but the others. No, he's he's. I mean, yeah. he he like the phoenix. He rose, he rose from the ashes with a new suit and everything. I'm moving on to Ward Hill Terry. He says, "I'm just here to chime in about Ryan's Secret Origin podcast. It was Siskoid. I'm sure he put a link on the Legion of Super Bloggers. The link." brought me to the episode with the origin of the Legion of Substitute Heroes. After enjoying that one, I decided to listen to some episodes of my favorite Secret Origins, 
Golden Age Batman, Crimson Avenger, and I was hooked. How hooked? I bought Invasion, but I don't recall ever buying any of the crossovers, yet I listened to this podcast. Why? I've even subscribed to podcasts that have nothing to do with comics. I don't know. Why do you? So, Bob Dylan? I I don't listen to anything that doesn't, you know, remotely. I mean, it's all. So, in other words, this was, you know, Secret Origins was the entryway into what became the Fire and Water podcast for a lot of people. I think so, yeah. I think it's uh, Who's Who and Secret Origins. They're the... The big two. The big two. Uh, Martin Gray says, I've never read a single New Guardians because they look terrible. And I hated the idea of Jason Woodrow getting a free pass to be a good guy. This issue sounds like the balloon issue of Teen Titans number 38, in which Dick, Donna, and Mal confronted their greatest fears. Except that actually had resolutions to the individual strands. It's a Haney hoot. Donna's greatest fear is surprising... Hub discussed it on Teen Titan Wasteland, which is a podcast that we should not miss, he says. So check that out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcastery. Uh, now it's called the Titan of the Defense. Oh. So, okay, yeah, check that out if you're uh, interested in more, you know, <laughs> better Titan commentary than what I gave. Please. Uh, Facebook likes and shares? Do we have a lot of them? Some. We always have a lot. Yeah, of course. Although, you know, it's kind of hard to click that like when it's New Guardians. I know. Uh, but still, some did. Al Sedano, Alan Milton, Billy Lacasse, Bradley Austin Null, Chris Franklin, Clinton Robinson of Coffee and Comics, Dale Russell, David Foster, D. Bash, Derek William Crabb, Jared West, Jason Pope, Jimmy McGlinchey, Longbox Crusade, Michael Alan Carlisle, Mike Peacock says... Having fun with New Guardians, at least I'll have fun listening to this self-delusion session. <laughs> we said we were, we had fun with it. Well, I we mean, had fun with it. It's like it's like watching a bad movie, like watching The Room with friends. You know, it's not good, but you're gonna laugh. You're gonna go, yeah, what's this? Why? I think that's what we did with that episode, and that's what if we. If the did. comics aren't so good, we can at least mock them. Exactly, I mean, and we will find your joy is the motto of the network. That means read comics that you like, review yeah. comics that you like, talk about topics that you like. If within the topics that you like, you find something that you do not like, find your joy, find- and your joy is mockery. <laughs> and it's a wonderful joy. <laughs> uh, Mike Zumo, Nathan Archer, Nicholas Brom, Pat Sampson, Rob Kelly, Robert Myers, Robert Ward, Rod Pruitt, Ruth Sutherland, Shag Matthews, and Terry O'Malley on Google Plus. We got Plus by the Hammer Strikes. Thank you, Gene Hendricks. And and on Twitter, retweets and favorites from Alan Middleton, Ange, Chris Lewis, Coffee and Comics, Comic Reflections, David is Gutierrez, DCOCD, that's uh, the new show that Paul Hicks has oh. about all the DC crossovers. Oh, nice. So he's got to do an episode on Invasion. Sweet. So I'll the, check it out. The one on Crisis is already out, and maybe by the time you hear this, Legends will be out as well. It's called cool. DCOCD. It's on the Waiting for Doom uh, stream. So, you know, subscribe to one, you get both. Uh, Greg A., who says, I suspect this was Marv Wolfman's response to participating in Invasion. And he's put a little meme of uh, Bart Simpson going, nah, we're not going to be doing that. <laughs> so, um, who else? Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, Jeffrey Brown, Jimmy McGlinchey, Joel, Justice Trek, the podcast, Connell, Longbox Crusade, Max Romero of It's Plastic Man, Nuno Duarte, who says, thank you for taking a look at this so that no one else ever needs to. Now go wash the blood from your eyes. <laughs> Rob Kelly, creative of uh, Film and Water podcast, Treasury Comics, Superman Movie Minute, Hostess Saz, Pods, Dylan, Digest Cast, and now Mashcast, Rod Pruitt, Rolled Spine Podcast, Ryan Daly, Scott X, Sean AZ, who says, You brave, brave men, I don't think I could go back. 
<laughs> Super Roly, Ted Kilvington, Terence Castonguay, the 108th Sage, Tim Price, Trekker Talk, Waiting for Doom, Warlock Thanos Podcast, who put us in our is Follow Friday. Uh, he said, First Strike the Invasion Podcast, find out how aliens invaded Australia. Nice. And Willie Yarbrough. Thank you, people. Thank you very much. This is how people find the podcast when you share it or yeah. even like it and yeah. it rises to the top. And see, <laughs> see, and now we have merch. So. Yeah, yeah. So check that out as well. If you want to leave us a message, of course, you can use the Fire and Water Podcast Facebook page, the Fire and Water Podcast Network site. Or you can go on Twitter and use the hashtag FWPodcasts. Either way, we will find you and possibly read your comment on the air. Next time on First Strike the Invasion Podcast, Animal Man number seven. <laughs> <laughs>